This is an Emmaus Church podcast. For more information about Emmaus Church, please visit EmmausDenver.com. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. The, uh, the, uh, <laughs> um, one of the least, con- well, I don't know, I'll say this. It, uh, I did some Googles, um, so you know I'm on the right track. And when DuckDuckGo and Google say the same thing, I think we're okay. Um, I didn't check Reddit. Reddit may have agreed too. Um, But one of the best ways uh, when you're taking notes to remember something is to handwrite it. Is to actually write it down. Let's see, look. Now who, we, so we thought these were, let's see, who needs a pen? Someone needed a pen. Okay, we got pens. We need pens back there. We got these little scriptural journals which is a little deceiving because it's just scripture um, with a blank page on the other side, uh, which is a great way to take notes in the series as we go through Colossians um, and hand write things down uh, because it's easier to remember God's word that way. So who doesn't see? Okay, here we go. Levi. Okay, do you want the pretty one or do you want the not pretty one? I'll do pretty. Okay, cool. I'll take a pen. Okay, pen here. All right. Oh, she got a, you're all set on the, you even got a journal. You're all good. All right. Just a pen. Oh, we get a pen. I like this. Oh, here you go. Grab, give one to Jean. Oh, you got to, oh, you want a pretty one? Which one do you want, Jean? This guy? Here you go. Is that Colossians? Yep. The whole thing. And you got extra Philemon bonus in there. Oh, we need a pen over here. Nice. Okay, I think we got everyone covered. <laughs> no. Okay, you don't, you should get that one. <laughs> good. Good. Cool. We're all set. Now, hopefully I have something good to say worth remembering. Um, but that's in the Lord's hand, so we'll, we'll save it for that. Uh, I'm excited to go through the book of Colossians. Um, we, we take... Uh, you know, Emmaus sort of in its history has taken bigger chunks of scripture. Um, you know, we did, you know, we did a, uh, for Easter, we did like a whole chapter of John or um, we do like a whole Psalm or as we, uh, we go through Isaiah, sometimes we've done like two chapters on one Sunday. So I'm excited to go through Colossians for the next seven weeks because we get to sort of narrow in on some of the things and take a little bit smaller chunks of scripture uh, as we go through the book of Colossians. And I say that knowing that like my parents' church would probably spend like a year and a half in Colossians. So there's, there's, it's a relative thing for how slow or fast you go through a particular book. But I'm excited to go through Colossians because it's an easy read. I think it's a 12 minute listen. If you're like listening to an audio book, it's a, it's a kind of a, a good book that you can be reading and sort of uh, wrap your head around and begin to see some of the connections from like earlier in the book to later in the book to things that he says in the introduction that get flesh out a little bit later. So if, if you're not, uh, if you're not used to studying like a whole book of the Bible at one time, Colossians is a, is a really good book to kind of start, uh, that, so sort of lean in and do something like that to study the whole book. So this morning, our, we're kicking off our series that we're calling heavenly minded for earthly good, heavenly minded for earthly good. And I think we'll, as, you know, as we go through the series, sometimes that, that, that makes more sense as we go along. But Paul actually, in this letter, kind of opens it up 
And this is what we're going to be sort of hitting for this, for this particular, uh, for this sermon and the introduction. We're going to be talking about being effective here by focusing there. We're going to talk about being effective here by focusing there. So if you want like an outline for how things are going to go this morning, those four words are what you need. Effective here by focusing there. And we're going to sort of develop that as we go through as we go through this first part of Colossians. So let me pray for us first uh, and ask the Lord to give us eyes to see uh, what he has to tell us in his word and to give me clarity um, so that we could worship him more and draw more near to him. So let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you so much that you have communicated to us in such a wide variety of ways, Lord. We... um, We sing songs because you have given us song in your word. Lord, we uh, enjoy uh, a letter that Paul has a concern and a care for a local community. And as a local community, we get to get a sense of that concern, um, get a sense of that reorientation that we need, Lord, um, as a a church who is, is living in a particular city. Lord, I thank you for uh, even just the narrative that we got to go through, thinking about you, our God, our King, who calls us by name in in the Gospel of John. Lord, that's been a huge blessing for so many of us. Lord, I, I worship you, I praise you, and I thank you just for the multiplicity of ways you communicate to your people, Lord. So I pray as we lean into this letter, as we lean into... Um, the details of this first section that we would be drawn closer to you and that our focus would be on you so that we could be your effective servants in your world. So I thank you for that. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. All right, let's look at the first couple of verses here. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father. So this is a pretty typical greeting for Paul. If you look at any of the other letters like Philippians, Ephesians, Galatians, Romans, the, he, he often introduces himself. And if he's with someone, he, he, will, he will include them. He often introduces himself and then says who he's writing the letter to. Uh, and there's little variations between each one. And, you know, you can read commentaries and, and there's a lot of thought, uh, I think, that's fruitful that goes into, you know, in this particular letter, he said, Christ Jesus, instead of Jesus Christ, you know, like, so people will sort of dig into some of the details of that because you're, you're, you're sort of mining God's word for, for every little detail. And you're trying to say, why would he lead with this? Or why would he say this? Well, and, and I think what's consistent, though, across the letters is he introduces himself often as an apostle of Christ by the will of God. He's saying, I am someone as an apostle that represents the risen Christ. There is only one Lord. There's only one King. There's only one Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the one we worship. But Paul is saying, I am an official emissary. I am someone who is going out and speaking with the same authority as an apostle of the Lord that we worship. So as he sends this letter, he establishes his authority. He's saying, I'm speaking for the risen Christ as his apostle. And then he says to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. 
And it's interesting, um, one of my favorite teachers is always like, hey, um, well, what does it say in the Greek? And his response is the same thing it says in the English. <laughs> because, because for the most part, your translators have done a really wonderful job of communicating to you uh, in, in the language that, that we're familiar with. But the order of words is, is a different in the Greek language. So if, if I'm saying that I'm standing in front of the chair in English, it's very different than if I say the chair standing in front of. Uh, if I put the word in a different place for an English speaker, we're saying, oh, okay, well, the word is in a different place. So that means it's modifying something differently and it makes the sentence a little more confusing to say the chair is standing in front of. Because, I mean, maybe it's kind of standing, but you're not really talking about me. But if it's like, I'm standing in front of the chair, then that makes more sense. In Greek, it's a little, you have more flexibility. Sometimes you can have like the action word at the front and then way later on in the sentence, like, okay, this is what I'm talking about. And he structures this. And I think this is what helps us sort of make sense of effective here by focusing there. He structures the greeting in a visual way that actually, if we were to sort of say it more literally, he would say the in Colossi saints and the in in, and the faithful people in Christ. So he's, it's called a chiasm. It's a literary device where you put things kind of on opposite ends to draw attention to them. And, and it's a really popular way to communicate in Hebrew. Um, so Paul would be a Hebrew scholar, would be very familiar with the Torah, would, 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 be, uh, just, would be intentional for him to sort of visually put it that way. He separated out and he said the in Colossi saints and the faithful in Christ. So he's already at the very beginning, he's giving us these two spheres. He's writing a letter as an authoritative apostle. And at the very beginning, he's saying, hey, you're holy, you're set apart, but you're in a physical place. Amen. You are the in Denver set apart ones. That's who, who you are. But there's another realm that you're in. You're the in Christ faithful ones. So even at the very beginning, Paul is sort of giving us these two realms of existence. He's acknowledging the fact that we are physically here, set apart in this city, worshiping on a Sunday. It's a little different. You know, there was, uh, I walked by a gym on the way to get bread. Um, they're set apart doing something different. Um, there, there's a lot of things you could do on a Sunday morning, but you guys are set apart in Denver worshiping this morning. And a big part of that is because we are also faithful. We trust, we believe in something we can't see in Christ. In Christ. So we already have these two sort of categories in the introduction of the book. We have the reality that we're both here where we're called to be effective while considering or focusing on there in Christ, who we are in the heavenly places. Amen. And he's gonna expand this. We'll see this as we kind of go through. Let's look at, the, look at what he says in verse three. Effective here, focusing there. He says, we always thank God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. So a little aside on that, uh, and I think this is what prompted Ben um, to have us call out for Thanksgiving, which is, it's been, um, I didn't get to go to prayer last week, but this week we're almost trying to uh, 
reorient ourselves in a way in prayer around Thanksgiving? How can we be thankful? And I, uh, this isn't really related to the effective here focus there yet, but he says, always when we pray for you, we always thank God when we pray for you. And that's been very convicting for me as a pastor. Maybe it's because I'm Enneagram one and I always pray for God to transform you. (laughs) But, and I was telling Lauren, I was like, well, I feel like I'm doing it for others. You know, I can just pray for myself. But, But Paul's like, when I think of you, when I always pray for you, I give thanks to God. And I'm like, wow, he means that. How in the world could any one of us, when we pray for everyone in this room, always give thanks? A lot of commentators think he he very much dwells on and considers the things that God is doing so that he can always give thanks. And that makes sense as you kind of go through the rest of the verse. He says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints. That's those two categories again. He's calling out right there what he always gives thanks for. He's saying when you focus on the unseen reality that is faith in Jesus Christ, when you focus on the unseen reality that is the gospel, that we are redeemed, that we are saved, that we trust in that, when you focus on that, I give thanks to God because God's the one who's producing that in you. When you love the saints, when you're effective here, when you're living in this world in Colossae, in Denver, and you're showing concern for one another, when you're treating others as more important than yourself, when you're being patient, when you're being kind, when you're being merciful, and I see God produce that in you, I give thanks. This is Paul seeing these two spheres work out through the power of the gospel. He's saying, when you are focused there, I give thanks. When you are effective here, I give thanks. So then how does that work? What does it look like? What does it look like to focus there? If I want to be effective here. Maybe a way to sort of uh, come at that question is what do I think makes me effective here now? What do I, like all of us feel effective or less effective to some degree at different points. Uh, And we get a a little rattled maybe if we're approaching a situation and we don't think we're being very effective on that. So, So I'm trying to reverse engineer that a little bit. What do we feel like makes us effective? I think that if I just schedule everything right and get the right buckets to happen uh, throughout the week, then I'm being effective. That, that's what I think. 
And when that gets destroyed for one reason or the other, I am tempted to spiral because I'm not effective. So think about that. What for you, if God rattles it a little bit, makes you feel like you're effective? Like sleep is one of those. Who feels effective after not a lot of sleep? <laughs> I'll get Arwen's secret there. It's like, if I don't get rest, I'm just like, I don't even, there's no way I could be effective. <laughs> um, yeah, what? maybe it's when things are going smooth in a particular relationship. Then you feel good when you feel like you can be effective, you know? Maybe it's, maybe it's success at work. You know, there's um, what's the, the programmer meme of like work as a programmer? It's like, I hate, this is the worst, it's the worst, it's the worst. And you solve it and you're like, ah, oh, you know. <laughs> but you know, there's, we, we have issues and problems that we're, we're trying to tackle. And maybe when we, when, we, when we go past that next step, we say, okay, now I feel like I'm, I'm being effective. Paul is making a case He's sort of countering our impulse to hope in all these different things, whether it's my schedule, whether it's my sleep, whether it's my relationship, whether it's the problem I solved at work. We, we put hope in a bunch of different things. And right off the bat at the beginning of the letter, he's explaining to us that we will be effective here if our focus is there, if our focus is there. Look at what he says. I'm gonna back up a little bit in verse four. He says, since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints, who, I mean, that's pretty good effectiveness right there. Like if I see the Lord create faith in you and see the Lord produce love in you, what else could we ask for? I mean, we can ask for a lot of things, but, but this, is what, this is what God is doing as he forms us by his presence in verse five, he says how this happens. Because these, these things, this love that you have, this faith that you have, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Yes, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. The hope laid up for you in heaven. He's saying this is what makes you effective. By focusing there, the hope that's laid out for you in heaven. Now he's gonna expand this later on. In chapter three, verse one, he says, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are earth. Set your mind on the things that are above where Christ is. So saying, if you want to be effective here, that's where your hope has to be. So what does it mean to focus there? What is, what is, the, what is the hope that I have in heaven that I'm called to focus on? If that's what, if it's that hope laid up in heaven, the thing that I like desire, the thing that I long for, the thing that I consider, if it's focusing on, on those heavenly realities, what is that that makes me effective here? 
And I think like, I don't know, as a kid maybe, you're like, oh, I can't wait to get to heaven because then, you know, all the sports will be awesome, you know, or whatever. I don't know, like, or I'll have like the coolest house or, you know, what's that song? A big, big house, you know. There's some, there's some good theology around that. But we, um, Jesus says, I go to prepare you a room and has many rooms. So, <laughs> but, but I think a lot of times when we think of heaven, where, we, where, we, where our hope should be in, if that's the hope that makes us effective here, I think we take earthly things and just like ramp them up. You know, like, well, in heaven, it'll be the best church. We'll all get along no one will annoy me and it'll just be wonderful. You know, we're like, so this earthly thing, we just will be better. So we're like, cool with that. Or my spouse um, will totally understand me and, and I'll totally be on the same page with them in heaven. It'll be wonderful. Um, or, you know, I, or I, I think about work a lot because work was a thing that was before the fall. So there, there's, there is a realm of existence where God's creatures work and it isn't toil. Like, that's nice. I look forward to that forward to work being just joy you know that'd be cool but 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 that's what we do though is we 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 like god's saying focus on heavenly things and it's easy to take earthly things it's easy to take earthly things and just kind of upgrade them and be like well i'm focusing on the the heavenly things so then what is it what is the what is what is in heaven kept for us Jesus Christ himself. He's risen from the dead and he's seated on the throne. He is the only one that can bring his people into the very presence of God. That's what's in heaven. That's where he's asking us to focus. That's what we should hope in. We should set our hope in, in the love, in the care, in the compassion, in the wonder, in the beauty, in the glory of our Savior and our Heavenly Father. Yes. That's where our hope should be. And if our hope is there, if our focus is there on God and his presence with us and, our, our, and what he's done for us in the past, what he's going to do for us, if our focus is on God himself, and the glory and majesty of our creator and the, the love and the beauty of the sacrifice of our savior. If our hope, our hope is set on him who is in the heavens, we will then be effective here. So then how do we have access? So fo- we said focusing there. Okay, focusing there. How do we do what are we focusing on? Um, well, we're focusing on God. How do we do that? There's hope. How do we access? I mean, it's like, I still, feel, I still feel like that's like an ethereal kind of thing, you know? Like hope in God, his presence, you know? Um, how do we like, like, where do we find that? If that's where we're called to hope in, if that's where our focus is called to be, where do we actually find the beauty and the wonder of God? I think in a real sense, Everywhere, I really appreciated what Angel said this morning. She's like, it's a blessing from God that we actually can hear the sound coming off a guitar and stirs our emotions and is beautiful. And, it, and it's, that's, that's giving us a taste of the unchanging eternal beauty of God in the things that have been made. 
So in a real sense, we can experience who God is in just the wonder and the majesty and the glory of his creation. I kind of like doing that same thing with coffee because there's so many things that go into coffee. It tastes so good. You know, it's like God is revealing himself in the things that have been made. But he's revealed himself most clearly. He's revealed himself most beautifully, most majestically, most kind of in your face in the person of his son. Which is what we spent the whole last series in John talking about. If we're to focus on him and orient our thoughts in the heavenly places so that we could be effective here, you can most clearly see his beauty and his majesty in the gospel. Which is, makes sense then where Paul goes in the next couple of verses. So he says, well, all these things are being produced because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this, you had heard in the word of truth, the gospel. You've heard this in the word of truth, the gospel. Amen. This is why as a church, we value gospel beauty and word centrality. We're saying this is really important. If we want to clearly see the beauty and wonder of our creator, if we want to have our focus there so we can be effective here, we think the gospel is beautiful. We think the word has to be central. So he goes and he tells us a handful of wonderful, encouraging things about what God is doing. So if that's where our hope should be, if that's where our focus should be in the heavenly places, in the gospel, in the word, then he spends just a little section here kind of explaining to us some of the wonderful, beautiful things that the gospel is producing in the world. Verse six, he says, this gospel, this good news, this word of truth has come to you as indeed in the whole world, in the entire world, it's bearing fruit and growing. We have a king, he's gonna spend the next sermon is gonna be talking about the king on his throne and his power and his majesty and his glory. And Paul is writing to a little church in Colossians and he's saying the good news of the gospel, the reality that Jesus is in heaven ruling and reigning as our Lord and is bringing us into the presence of the father. The good news of this gospel is not maybe will, should, or might. It is bearing fruit and growing. That's what it's doing. That's where our hope can be in it because it is objectively spreading and growing and bearing fruit. As it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He's giving thanks for what God is doing in the church, always. He's dwelling on the reality that the gospel is bearing fruit and growing. How often when we pray, when we think of others in the community, do we have a certainty that the gospel is bearing fruit and growing. 
maybe a different kind of angle to put that at. My temptation is to decide how it should bear fruit and grow and pray for that, <laughs> which is good. Like God reveals his desires for us and we see uh, a gap between those two things. We should definitely like pray for that. But I get stuck there sometimes and I miss the reality that God is producing faith in me and love in me and in you. It is bearing fruit and growing in you. If you are patient and kind today, that's the gospel bearing fruit in you. If you stop to consider what God had said in his word, that's the gospel bearing fruit in you. If you're trusting in him through something's difficult, and you're considering what he said, that's the gospel bearing fruit in you. It is doing those things. And it's easy to get kind of sidetracked on the things we want it to do. It will still, and Paul has thoughts on that as well, but he just starts off this letter by saying the beautiful, wonderful reality. If we focus on who God is and what he's doing and how he is bearing fruit and growing in the community around us, we can give thanks to him always when we pray for one another. And it's in that thanksgiving, not because I'm so thankful that you're so much better or I'm so thankful that you are trusting in God. I'm thankful that the God I worship in heaven is doing stuff. He's the one I'm thankful to. He's the one I'm drawn to. And just being thankful to God for what he's doing in and through us is how we focus there. That's another way for us to focus there on God himself by being very thankful for the reality that the gospel is bearing fruit and growing. He mentions Epaphras, and I feel like he's just pastorally giving a good example to the church in Colossae. He's saying he's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. They're like, you know this guy. You know the gospel is bearing fruit and growing because you know Epaphras. He cares for you. He's telling us about what God is doing in you and he is faithfully serving the Lord for you. Reminds me, you know, we're gonna talk a little bit about community tonight in our gospel intensive. But I think a lot of us probably have someone who is a faithful minister to you, was a faithful servant of the Lord on your behalf. You think back about people who are influential in your lives. I think about some of the pastors I was involved with in Omaha, the number of things that had to come together to bring particular people into my life, to teach me particular things and to encourage me in certain moments. Amen. It's just a beautiful example of how the gospel is bearing fruit and growing. I didn't plan all that stuff out. I didn't get converted and I was like, all right, well, I got a few things I gotta learn first. Uh, you know a lot about that. Then I'm gonna need to learn these things and uh, uh, can you be involved in my life? <laughs> no idea what else. <laughs> no. God is orchestrating through the gospel. He's bringing things together in your lives so that the gospel will bear fruit and grow. 
Okay, so now he shifts gears a little bit. He's, he spent a little bit of time reminding us what we should dwell on, what we should hope in, where our, our minds should be. Um, kind of what the, the summary statement is what I'm, uh, what I'm saying is we should focus there. Our focus and our intention and our thoughts should be with God and what he's doing and who he is. So then we can be effective here. Look at what he says in verse nine. So from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. This is the, the focus is there in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Why? Verse 10, so you can be effective here. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Amen. I think this is a wonderful summary of what it means to be effective here. <laughs> Look what he says again. Why do I focus there? Verse 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. Yes, Lord. Fully pleasing him. That's why we are in Colossae set apart. That's why we're in Denver set apart to please our Lord. The one who rescued us, the one who then also put us in Christ. The one who saw us as children of wrath and yet died for us, redeemed us. We talked about this last week, purchased us out of our debt to sin and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. Now that we have a king and we have a Lord who is gracious and kind and wonderful and beautiful, it only makes sense that our lives would be to please him. Yes. That's effectiveness. Flavel, um, a Puritan that I really appreciate, has a, a section on how to like con uh, consider the Lord in like different seasons of life. Like how do you... Um, how do you draw near to him when this, these kinds of things are going on? And one of them is the season of duty, um, which you don't use that word, like when you're busy. So it's like the section is like, when you're busy, how do you like draw near to the Lord? Um, and it's savage. And I need to go back to it like every few weeks to remind myself. Cause like step one is like stop and consider him. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I need to do the things. Um, but I, one of the things I think he says that just convicts me He's like, measure the success or failure of any task that you do by how well you kept your heart with the Lord. That hurts me because I feel really good when I check stuff off. He also says doing a good job is very important to a Christian. So he's not saying like, do whatever. He's very, I mean, the Puritan work ethic, quote unquote, is there for a reason. He's saying we should work hard as unto the Lord. But measure the success or failure is what Paul is kind of saying here in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. How often do I measure, how often do you measure your effectiveness by was this pleasing to the Lord? Verse 
as the, my interaction with my child, was I doing it in a way that was pleasing to the Lord? My workout. <laughs> so I doing that in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. Paul says, whatever we eat or drink or work out or, or childcare, do all under the glory of the Lord. All the things, trying to get comprehensive there. So don't hear me as saying, uh, don't work out. Don't hear me as saying, don't be intense at work. You know, like we need to do those. We should do things unto the Lord. But how often do we just like think that's a different category? Like, is that fully, am I fully pleasing him as I do these things? Am I focusing up here on his love for me and his care and his concern, and his majesty and his glory? So that I please him. So that I'm effective here. And sort of like a, a feedback loop is the way he says it. So we're, he's like, I pray, verse nine, he's like, I, I pray that you would know God, that you'd focus there, so you can walk worthy and know more of God. It, it's, it's sort of, it, as we consider pleasing God, we consider him more and we know more about who he is. We know his character more. We draw closer to him. It's easier to be focusing there when even the things we do here are because of in the light of who he is. Verse 11, it says, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. This is a very comprehensive statement there. All power according to his glorious might. Amen. Which um, the next section is like, if you just want to, you know, five verses of how awesome Jesus is, verses 15 through 20, that's like, we're, I'm excited to preach on that next week, but I'm also like, it's all about how awesome Jesus is. Like, I don't think I could, you know, we can't like, it's amazing. Like, what do you, he, the words here are a lot. Let's just read this like over and over again. You know, he holds everything together by the word of his power. So he's saying, as you focus there, look at the power he's, he's saying, may you be, here's what he, Paul is praying this for Christians. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. All power that's consistent with the might, wonder, beauty, and glory of our King. That's what you can be strengthened with when you focus there. Now he says, why? Why do I need to be strengthened with all power? Why do I need to be focused on who he is? To be effective here. For endurance and patience with joy. For endurance and patience with joy. I really like that with joy part because a lot of us can endure and be patient. Very few of us can do it with joy. <laughs> like for some of you, uh, waiting in line is like the worst thing in the world. <laughs> But endurance, some of the things that, I mean, and you guys just had twins. Talk about endurance, <laughs> right? We have other babies are about to happen too. And I think everyone's like, we're only having one more. <laughs> so 
we need to be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for endurance with joy in some of the things that God calls us to. Life is difficult. There's actually some debate uh, on what the with joy is related to. You could, uh, you could also read it with joy giving thanks. So the giving thanks could be where our joy comes from as well. Which he calls us to that later in the letter to give thanks always. It's like this weird, just kind of off to the side sentence. Telling you all these things, give thanks always. Okay, I'm going on these things. So I think what Paul is trying to do is a lot of our joy, a lot of our thanksgiving, a lot of our peace and our comfort doesn't come from focusing here. (laughs) That takes it away a lot of the times. It comes from focusing there. The more we think to please the Lord and focus on him and care for him, the more we're aware of him, the more we're aware of him, the more we thank him and worship him and see what he's doing. The more that we see what he's doing and give thanks with joy, the more patience and peace and love that we have for those around us, the more we're able to be effective here because we're focusing there. He gives us, I think, a little bit of help. He's trying, I mean, he's, he's writing this letter to the Colossians, most commentators think, because he's worried that they're gonna veer to some other thing to put their hope in. He's worried that as uh, the pressures of the world around them, whether it's um, just sort of the temple system of the day, um, or I like what he says, uh, so I don't want you to be led astray by plausible arguments. Saying that there's a lot of plausible things that will give me peace and joy. There's a lot of, pl- it's, I'm often led astray that if I just schedule properly, I will be effective. <laughs> that's plausible. There, there's something to put my hope in that seems like it could work though, Aaron. If the, just this would happen in my life, then I would be effective here. If just this wouldn't be a problem, this makes sense if this wasn't an issue, then I would be more effective here. So Paul is concerned for the church and he's like, hold on, there's some plausible things, but I want you to dead set focused on God himself because that's the only way we're gonna continue to see more effectiveness here. He's gonna expand upon that, more love here, more care for one another, more patience, more meekness, more kindness. If you want a, a chapter to think about what effectiveness looks like, look at chapter three. So he, he's concerned for the church and he, and he wants them to have things to be thankful for. So I love what he says. This is some of my favorite verses in the Bible. He says, giving thanks to the father who has qualified you. Amen. The father has qualified you. That is a beautiful gospel. I disqualify myself daily. I am not qualified to be in the presence of God. I am not qualified to bear fruit and grow. In fact, there's things because of the, the, the flesh that Paul says, because of uh, the fact that we're still dealing with this, this world here, there's things that actually disqualify me and like pull me away from that. But he's making this glorious statement. He's saying the father, we give thanks to him because he has qualified you you are not gonna undo his qualification. (laughs) He has qualified you. 
He has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. The inheritance of the saints in light. It's interesting in Psalms, Jesus talks about how uh, one of the gifts he receives for accomplishing the task is his saints. The, 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 this reality that you are the reward for what Jesus has accomplished. Amen. A, a beautiful bride adorned for her husband in the book of Revelation. Just the, the glory and majesty and beauty of people who are no longer living in a realm that's pulling them away from everything God is and everything he's doing. Saying God has qualified you to participate in that glorious union of the saints in light. This day where, where we will see Christ, as John says, and be made like him. This is what we give thanks for. This is what brings us joy. Another thing he says, he's delivered us from the domain or the powers of darkness. I think this is a hint at the reality that the spirit enables us, that the powerful things in this world, the principalities and powers of the air, or as Jesus says, the ruler of this world, talking about Satan, they've been disarmed. Because of the spirit, we have the ability to focus there. Because of the spirit, we have the ability to be effective here. So he's transferred us. He's delivered us from the domains or the powers of darkness. And where has he transferred us? To the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's what we give thanks for. These are big overarching realities of what God has done for you. Paul is saying, I want you to be effective here. I want you to have patience. I want you to have love. I want you to do things that are pleasing to the Lord. You're not gonna do that unless you realize and believe and have faith in and trust in the reality that God has qualified you. God has qualified you. And he's not just done that. He's freed you from the powers of darkness. He's freed you from the things that get in your way that, in, that keep you from enjoying and focusing there. He's freed you from that. And now you're the saints in Christ. Now you can give thanks for the reality of the gospel that you are in the kingdom where you serve the king of his beloved son. Amen. Yeah, that's what we give thanks for. That's what gives us joy. That's what gives us peace and that's what produces effectiveness in us. So I'm excited to expand on some of those things. The series is titled Heavenly Minded for Earthly Good. Maybe I should have said uh, focusing there for effective here, but the idea is the same. <laughs> Heavenly Minded for Earthly Good. Focusing there for effective here. And so the first thing we're gonna do next week is spend a lot of time focusing there. That's what Paul is gonna do. 
And then he's gonna sort of walk us through what it means to be fully pleasing to the Lord. And along the way, remind us over and over again that that focusing on God himself, that pleasing God, that, 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 that believing in all the things that he's done, that he is doing, that he is gonna do, that putting our hope, anchoring our hope there, it doesn't matter what else is plausible. <laughs> there are lots of other plausible things that could give you peace and joy and love and make you effective here. And Paul is saying, forget those. <laughs> Let's talk about the reality of who Jesus is and what he's doing so that the church of Christ could continue to bear fruit and grow. That's the beauty of the gospel. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you so much for the fact that you have qualified us, Lord. Amen. Um, some of us, probably feel disqualified from some things this morning or this weekend or this month. Lord, whatever is weighing on our hearts and minds, remind us of the, the gospel, the word of truth that you have qualified us. You welcome us into your presence because of what your son has done with open arms, Lord. Help us focus there as we give thanks. Help us focus there as we desire to please you. Lord, give us wisdom. We know you will. We ask that in confidence. So I thank you for this morning and for your word. In your name I pray, amen.